Welcome to the Coach House Beacons. Good morning, everybody. Tongue twisters. Red lorry, yellow lorry, red lorry, yellow lorry, yellow lorry. Exactly. A tongue twister. We're going to look today at James chapter 3. And in the first half of this chapter in the Bible, it's all about the tongue. Now, the tongue is an important thing in the book of James. Surprising, really, seeing as my name is James as well, and I'm always talking. The book has 108 verses across five chapters, and 46 of those 108 verses, in some way, and in some shape, and in some form, somehow, deal with the tongue, language, or speech. So that's basically 43% of the book of James. Or to see it another way, two out of every five verses in James deals with the tongue. And in chapter 3, we see his most concentrated teachings on it. And what does he say about it? Well, let's find out. James begins by giving a warning to teachers and other leaders in the church. He writes... Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Why is that? It's because false teachings can destroy or damage the faith of those who are taught. But as James moves on, he instructs both the teacher and the taught. His following words encompass all people. For we all stumble in many ways. James admits that we all sin and uses his stumbling imagery for it. When we stumble, we still stay on the path and move forward, even though we might be spreading our arms out and hitting the pavement hard. It's a really good comparison to sin. We may stumble, but that does not mean that we've completely fallen away from the faith. We're still going forward. But James is not done with this stumbling imagery just yet. He continues, If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. James begins to dive in here about the tongue, and he alludes to his first point on it. It can be hard not to stumble in what we say. I don't know about you, but I stumble. We can say things carelessly in anger, frustration or panic. We speak without thinking. We can lie, use self-justifying words, harmful ones or use empty ones. The Apostle says that these are not without effect. They can affect our lives and our bodies. He explains that the tongue can control us and he uses a farming example to illustrate his point. He says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. It's a crazy thing to that a little one pound bit, that bit that goes in the mouth of a horse, can control an animal that can weigh upwards of 500 kilograms. Move the bit to the left, the horse goes left. Move it to the right, it goes right along. Move it up to make it go faster and pull it down to make the horse come to a halt. One little thing controls a huge animal. But James continues, and he continues to drive the point home with another image immediately. He says, look at the ships. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the captain directs. 
Ships were one of the fastest ways of travel in the ancient world. They would carry crews and cargo. They would be moved along by large gusts of wind, as we found out a few weeks ago in Acts. But what calls the shots on such a mighty vessel? Well, it's the little rudder that controls where it goes. So what is James's point? What does the tongue, a bit, and a rudder have in common? It's that something so small can affect something much larger. Something so small can control such a large thing. Our little, teeny tiny tongues can control our entire bodies and direct our lives. Our tongue can control and affect our actions, believe it or not. Now, there's a movie called Wonder, and in the movie, Orgy Pullman has Treacher's Collins Syndrome, which is basically a severe facial deformity. Throughout the movie, you see this poor boy undergo ruthless teasing. He's compared to Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars, a character whose face is wrinkly and deformed from an injury. He is called a freak, a monster, ugly, unlovable and disease-riddled, and they begin to treat him as such. It got to the point that if you touched Orgy, you would be temporarily alienated from the other kids because you would get his cooties. Now, this is bigger in America than it is in the UK, and cooties is a child's term for an imaginary germ or disease that one can catch by touching a person who is disliked or socially avoided. Their tongue controlled their actions. The tongue can also control what we believe or even think. If we say that we are worthless or stupid, or even say that about others, we can begin to believe that about others or even ourselves. We can even repeat a lie so much that we believe it to be true. Our tongue can control us, and it can control others, even though it is tiny compared to the rest of our body. In chapter 3, it then moves on to the damage that a tongue can do. It can destroy. Now, one of history's most famous fires started from a little spark. Who knew that a small fire in the bakery on Pudding Lane would have started the Great Fire of London, and that it would do so much damage? It destroyed over 13,000 houses, and in today's money, it would have cost over £34 billion in damage and insurance. This fire made 70,000 of London's 80,000 people homeless. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. One little spark created one of history's most deadliest fires. And James says that this is just like the tongue. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. A tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Now with this image, James describes the tongue's ability to destroy. He notes how words can reflect our fallen nature. He says that our tongues don't just destroy us, they can destroy others as well. Perhaps you've heard the incredible, inaccurate rhyme, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Life, and especially James, says that this is entirely untrue. 
Oftentimes the hurtful words we may hear from others last much longer than the scars, bruises or lumps that we may get. Words like, I hate you and want nothing to do with you, can last longer than a bruise. The words, I'm leaving, we're through, can hurt more than a blow. The phrase, I don't love you, can hurt more than any scar we can receive. Overhearing or even hearing what people really think about us, those conversations that start, oh, well, bless their heart, but can sting and linger more than any stone hitting us. The words our tongue can say can destroy families and friendships. They devastate relationships. They can tarnish trust. They can hurt and humiliate. They can eliminate self-worth and confidence. They can destroy everything we have and everything we have worked for. They can even destroy us. They can forever change our lives and some words can never be fully taken back. The little tongue can be destructive and it can destroy. With that in mind, we try to hold it, keep it back and bite down. However, it can seem to no avail. You can go to a circus and see lions, elephants and chimpanzees obey their masters, but you'll never see the tongue tamed. James says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly. Try as you may, it will break free. It cannot be fully held back. Bite it down and it will emerge victorious, ready to sting. Despite this fact, it doesn't stop James from calling for consistency. He says that the tongue's use should reflect our calling. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. James is spot on. We can sing our praises to God with our tongue in church, and then go wound someone up with it right after. It leads us back to verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Fortunately, there is one perfect man who controlled the tongue for our sake and salvation. When he was condemned, he didn't open his mouth to refute or to fight. On the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? as he bears the punishment for our sin. As he is teased and crucified, he does not curse, but rather pleads, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And at the end of it all, he says, It is finished. But his tongue is not silenced. On Easter morning, our Lord arose from the dead and speaks forevermore. Through his word, he says, you are forgiven. He says, you are loved. You are chosen before the world began. You are redeemed from sin and the devil. You are beautiful in me. You are blessed. You are called. You are protected. You are cared for. You are my child. You are valuable. You are more important and mean the world to me. You are mine. And our Lord works in us. He moves us to use our tongue properly. We sing praises in response to his love and grace given to us. He moves us to use our tongues to use words that build up, that cheer, that encourage, that speak well of and to bless others. 
He speaks through our tongues, his saving word of truth. When we fall and stumble with this, we hear the words of the perfect one. You are forgiven. Jesus says that our tongues can control and they can destroy. They are set on fire by hell, but in Jesus Christ, that fire is put out by baptism and our tongues redeemed for a good use. Now, my tongue has not been in the best of shape through my life. My tongue has hurt others. And my tongue, on the flip side, has sung praises to God. And so, as we finish this beacon, I want to confess and I want to say to anyone who listens to this, where my words have hurt you, I'm sorry. And also, Lord, I want to say I'm sorry to you too. Lord, help me use my tongue to encourage and to bless others. Lord, show me the way. Lord, give me the words that you would have me say. So let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we're thankful that we get to come and spend time with you. And we're thankful that even when we make the biggest of mistakes, you say we are forgiven. And Lord, I pray for people listening to this beacon that you will touch their lives. Lord, that you will show them that you died on that cross for them. That they are forgiven. That you are waiting. You are sitting waiting for them to turn to you. And Lord, today, I again turn to you and say, I'm sorry for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, be in my life. Be the ruler of my ways. Give me the words to say, the songs to sing, the praise and the worship that only you deserve. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and for what you did on that cross for us. And Lord, I pray that you will give us an insightful and a God-filled rest of the day. In your name, Amen. Coach House Beacons, the Coach House Church Daily Devotional. To find out more, join us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website at www.coachhousechurch.org.